I'm a foodie and I enjoy learning about the process that brings great foods and beverages from idea to the table. And then I like tasting them and learning the nuances of what creates the most significant tastes from coffee to cheese to distilled beverages. I did a tequila tasting in Mexico and recently bourbon, Heaven Hill bottled in bond bourbon really impressed me from the story to the taste. I grew up in Kentucky where horse racing and bourbon are famous and I got introduced to Heaven Hill bottled in bond bourbon. It's produced by Heaven Hill Distillery, which has been and still remains family owned since 1935. And I'm impressed with the bourbon's ultra rich, smooth taste. And right on the bottle, it states that this bourbon is seven years old, which is actually three times longer than what's required to be certified as bottled in bond. I feel with beverages, the longer the prep, the better the taste. Being a bottled in bond product means it must pass a list of seven requirements that set the standard for this quality bourbon. So look for it at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely and drink wisely. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and 6-1 since that matters and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Anyone, if they experienced re- something that's really hard, something that's not going to go away, something that's life-altering, something that's going to make it so you've now become, have been forced to become a different person. Your spouse is forced, is forced to become a different person. Your kids are forced to become a different person because the, it changes your brain, the way you think, the way you see the world, all those kinds of things. When you decide who you want to become in the future and you say, I don't want to be that sad person that's drinking all day long, then you're not going to start drinking every night. And it's not willpower. It's a change of environment. Welcome to Self Helpful. I'm your guide, Kevin Miller, and I curate the sea of new personal development messages to bring the most influential leaders onto this show. Join me as I question my guests to better understand their counsel so we can all integrate the wisdom into our lives because we all want to elevate our own experience and improve the way we show up for others. The Self-Helpful Podcast is presented by Ziggler, your premier source for equipping coaches. Visit Ziggler.com. Hello, Self-Helpful listeners. In this episode, How to Transcend Loss and Pain by Choosing the Meaning You Give to It. And I, for one, don't enjoy talking about pain and loss. I want to just be happy. That is the hope of this show, how to transcend beyond the pain and loss, not get over it, not to ever be the same again, but to go forward wiser and stronger and with abiding joy. This is part three of my series on Dr. Lee Warren and the message in his new book, Hope is the First Dose, a treatment plan for recovering from trauma, tragedy, and other massive things. My co-host for this segment is Richie Norton. I've had Richie on my show multiple times. He's an influencer to influencers and the author of The Power of Starting Something Stupid and another book, Anti-Time Management. I've had him on for both of those and he's co-hosted with me here before on segments like this. Richie's one of the most inspiring people I know and I chose him for this show because like Lee, Richie also has lost a child. 
And this show is not about losing children, but those are tragic muses to look at to see how someone could not only endure such pain and loss, but come out well, not unscathed, not justifying it. As you'll hear, Richie likens it to forever carrying something on your back. It never goes away. It either weighs you down or you get stronger. The conversation was deep, contemplative, but with Richie, always some good laughs. Well, Richie, it was a shoe-in to think about a guest who would relate to this topic with Dr. Lee Warren, as you have lost a child. We've talked about that before on past shows, and I knew you would have insight that nobody else would have that I can't have. I've not experienced that. And as we just started talking a moment ago and you started uh, giving some commentary and I, I want you to go right there, start right there, man. And, and thank you for being here and thank you for being you and please share. Oh, I'm, I'm honored to be here. His story is so tragic and yet he talked about the ability to have tragedy and also happiness at the same time, which was profound. I, I thought it was interesting how in his situation and in his profession and now, now like in his situation, even as he uncovered strategies, almost like looking back at them, not like they were prescribed. Um, and even though now that they're on a podcast or written in a book, they can be described and prescribed so people can, can learn from it. You know, millions of people can, can benefit from it. I thought it was interesting and his experience was far different than mine, but I thought it was interesting. The strategies that kind of bubbled up or the things that worked were similar to mine and other people that I know, love and trust or have worked with. And I also thought it was interesting when he pointed out the things people would say to try to make him and his family feel better yeah. that were actually the worst things, you know, you could say, which, which also paralyzes people. That's why people also don't say things <laughs> or don't okay. show up, you know? So there's this, there's all these hard things, but what I really liked was this idea that he decided to become, in, in my words, better, not bitter. He yeah. described how he decided to become better for his son because of his son to honor his son that even though it was obviously a defining moment it wasn't going to define him and yeah. that there wasn't going to be a 200 percent casualty or something like he was saying like that was like a, a crazy thought yeah like just because one person that you love passes doesn't mean you have to pass also, which even saying it hurts my soul because like you, 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 you do die when someone else dies, like, like in a different way. But would they want you to? And yeah. I think that's where he was getting at is like they wouldn't. <laughs> they would want you to live better, you know, because of the situation. So a lot of the things he said really resonated with me. And I just thought it was incredible the way he could approach it in a way that was also, I felt like I could learn. Sometimes when we share our messes, 
there's not always a message in it because <laughs> yeah. someone hasn't taken the time to curate that message. Fair. He he has obviously taken the time to share it with enough people and, and think about it enough so that it could be applicable to me and to others really quickly. Even though it's a lifelong journey that never goes away, there were things I heard that I was like, oh yeah, that's true. Or, oh yeah, I should try that. Or, oh yeah, that's a good reminder. It, it was powerful, man. Powerful. Well, and, and <laughs> I, I love his unique situation that he's in such a crucible of dealing with this. He's dealing with end of life with so many people constantly. He's dealing with that and then boom, it happens to him and he you know, recovers per se and he's back in it now with a different perspective was so unique. And I do real quick, Richie, want to... Uh, because there's some things I want to come to on this topic of a loss of a child, you know, a human loss, whatever. Now, obviously the concept we're talking about, we're trying, trying to, wanting to, and it is relatable to any kind of pain or loss, whatever that is, even the, because there's some people out there and this is not, they haven't lost a child. They're not, you haven't lost a, a person. They have had a, a, a dramatic betrayal. They've had an emotional hurt or scarring or abuse. Yeah. Um, that they've been a victim of, they've been abused, uh, or whatnot, or, and I appreciate him talking about it, the loss of a dream. Yes. Oh my I, gosh. That was so powerful. Wasn't it? Cause I, and I, yeah. I want to, you deal with so many people and in that light, really so many people who are pursuing a, a dream. And when he said that, I thought, man, I could see that almost being as devastating or more to someone to have lost a dream. And I bet you have encountered such things. Yeah. He talked about maybe someone had a dream to go to the NFL and they tore their ACL. And this is actually trauma for them. And I think he even went into the, at least maybe I'm making up in my mind as I was filling in the gaps between what he was saying and where he was going with it. But he, he mentioned how when you see someone who maybe is now addicted in some way, alcohol, drugs, et cetera. And we're not saying this as, as specific. This is just in general. Right. He was kind of saying, maybe did it have something to do with the trauma of losing their dream? And the choices they made after losing that dream, leading them down this path. And the choices that we get, get to choose to make, which is hard to hear for someone going through grief. Yeah. Because it happened to you, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to believe that it happened for you and you don't want to believe that you had anything to do with it. Or if you do, you, you, then you punish yourself for it. Right. But the choices one makes after the trauma makes the difference between a meaningful tragedy and a tragedy that becomes a 200% casualty. Can we take it into a harsh one? To me, yeah, because even if we talk about death or, or whatever, but somebody who is literally victimized and, and I, I, I tend to go towards rape, honestly, mm -hmm. as one of the, the ultimate victimizations, violations. And for that to happen, which I, and again, I've not, I've not experienced that. Um, I, I do have, um, 
I have some extended, you know, outside of my family, close people who have experienced that, but to see see that and then to say, okay, yeah, but how you deal with it is your choice. And that is heart wrenching, almost offensive, even though we would look at it and say, technically it is true. And we know that, and we have victims of such things and worse who have recovered brilliantly and gloriously as, as without getting over it necessarily with they still have the scars but man that's that is hard or to have something yeah we're like i mean you lost a child but if that child had been kidnapped had uh, been uh, yeah exactly yeah it's it's um when when we hear you know the things like 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 he was mentioning too like oh you know get over it or move on like none of that none of that's possible none of it's true the idea is that it's going to be horrible forever and it might feel different over time and you have to manage it. But also it's also true at the same time and you can still have a happy and productive life. So hearing like, oh, I'm in a situation and didn't, I, I wasn't at fault and someone's telling you you can fix it is, uh, feels very punishing. <laughs> yeah. So you don't want to tell anybody that because it's not necessarily true. The same way he was saying like, oh, God needed an angel, like, please. <laughs> don't take mine. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't please. want that kind of guy. Bad yeah. theology, you know? So, so as he said, right, that was, th- th- those were his terms. But I would just say, what's the alternative? Yeah. So if we're all making it up anyways, all you can say to yourself at some point is, what's the alternative? Because if the alternative is I am now like it's over, that will probably be true for you. Yeah. That is the sad truth. So if you don't want it to be over, while still honoring the trauma that happened to you, you have to ask a better question. How can I live with this horrible thing? without letting it negatively impact everyone and everything, which you can't control, and without having it negatively impact myself forever. Or at least, what's the next best thing I can do (laughs) considering this? So for those that don't know, like, this is, you know, in my situation, it was, you know, brother-in-law passed away son 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 passed away wife had a stroke uh son got got hit by a car uh foster kids uh came we were gonna adopt them they 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 left you know and and of course we have other struggles too and so when someone comes to to us and i can't imagine you know my child being i don't even want to say it out loud like having what happened to him you know i don't it's like it's like it's horrifying the thing is someone will come to especially like like my wife and she'll say something like, you know, I had um, a miscarriage and they're sad, obviously, but then they'll say, they'll say that they'll say they'll they'll say something that that doesn't make sense. They will say to themselves, but to my wife, but it's not as bad as what happened to you. Ah. And it's like, that's not true. Why are we comparing (laughs) horribleness? Of course, someone else somewhere has had it worse. Like it never ends. But that doesn't mean the pain you're feeling is any less. Mm 
you stub your toe at the end of you know the 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 bed that little corner post like i kick it all the time i hate it you know <laughs> and for that moment it fills your entire soul it's all you can think about in that moment is that pain of that thing yeah. and it was just a stubbed toe you know victor frankel talks about how you know even the little littlest bit of, of gas in the room fills the whole room so when people they got to let go of if it helps them to say my pain isn't as bad as someone else's so i should move on great but to diminish yourself and not honor the pain that you're feeling is not helpful so like you were saying whether it was the death of a child or it was an unexpected hope that was unexpectedly destroyed or rather an expected hope you know that was possibly expectedly destroyed cuz a very small fraction of people make it to the NFL let's get real that was a hollow hope it was never going to happen for that person you know whatever whatever it is the the ideas of purpose that he was bringing up yeah will lead you in, in my experience, it's not a purpose that one day I'm going to achieve. It's, no, the purpose is front and center. And by acting from the purpose, instead of endlessly toward it, we are able to heal, feel happiness, and move forward despite being hurt feeling sad and knowing that you're never going to necessarily move on. Those yeah. things can happen at the same time. I, I want to ask you about that moving on, but I do want to pull out again. I want, I want people to hear and I want me to hear honoring. You said honoring the trauma and the pain that didn't come from the show in those words. I really appreciate that. Richie, I have missed that. I have missed mm -hmm. that. Um, I had, uh, my oldest son, we had, we, we thought he was going to die, uh, early on and I never honored that pain. I just stuffed it away and denied it and didn't want to let it, you know, bother me from taking care of, you know, everything else. And I never honored that, never grieved in, in that sense, like grieving well, like he talked about honoring the trauma, the pain and not judging. I feel like I we keep coming back to that. It's an overlapping theory that or topic a uh, concept i should say that that comes in over and over as we look at trauma which a lot of people me included didn't relate to that word even pain but i would go yeah i had some disappointments i had some frustrations yeah. and of course my therapist would say yeah and they handicapped you your entire life yeah. kevin until we finally got you to look at them and it wasn't to go back and diss anybody or exaggerate it or whatever but just to say as you did it, it, it just was that thing happened it hurt you and you've let it continue to hurt you and handicap you. So until we can come and what you said, I, I like that to honor it, even as you move on is yes. that feels like that's the premise. That's what I'm, that's the hope here. And yet, but then I want to take you to moving on that concept. I think it gets to me, Richie, because that idea, even in personal, you know, personal development, self-help, which is where we're at the idea of, you just got to overcome that thing. And I think we have this myth that overcoming means eradicating it. And as I've looked at myself, I think, I don't know if I've eradicated any weakness or problem. I've right. learned how to manage it and move on. 
is that relative to what you're experiencing? I, I think, I, yeah, I think, I think in many ways. Friends, I'm pretty candid about my lack of financial prowess. Money and numbers are fairly Greek to me, so I need a lot of guidance. One of my closest friends is a wildly successful wealth manager, and I'm working on some financial literacy and just continually seeking guidance. So I ask you to check out yahoofinance.com. Nobody knows it all on Yahoo Finance is a, an incredible resource for the rookies like me or the seasoned investors. You know, before my dad passed away recently, Dave Ramsey and his wife, Sharon, flew down to visit. We all got to spend a day together. And I was at yahoofinance.com just now. I saw multiple news flashes from Dave and other people that you respect. And they're hitting so many of the hottest areas in finance today. So it's a place to get a snapshot of all aspects of your financial interests. And if you have them, your portfolios. I hadn't realized Yahoo Finance is the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. So for your comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. One more time yahoofinance.com. I live high up in the Rocky Mountains where the air is clean and fresh as possible, but then I step indoors and I'm breathing in untold amounts of toxins and allergens from paint and carpet and cleaning chemicals and pets and furniture and appliances and mold and so on. Studies show the indoor air is two to five times more polluted than the outdoor air anywhere you are. And in some places it's a hundred times worse than that. Well, the solution is to get an air purifier and air doctor is just the best out there. It filters out 99.99% of dangerous contaminants and allergens such as pollen and pet dander and dust mites and mold and even bacteria and viruses so your lungs don't have to try to do that. Air Doctor comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus shipping. Go to airdoctorpro.com. You can use the promo code KEVIN, and depending on the model, you'll receive up to 39% off or up to 300 bucks exclusive to podcast customers, you will also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. So to get the special deal, go to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-P-R-O.com. Use promo code Kevin. Thankfully, the days of building a business website, then having this massive endeavor to integrate an online store are gone. Today, Shopify has fixed all that. I had one business where we actually built the entire website on Shopify's platform. So whether you're just starting out or you're selling a million bucks of product already, Shopify is just the industry leader. It works the same for physical products or online and digital. And Shopify is just hands down the best out there. Most importantly, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. It's 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Getting people to buy is not that hard, at least to the buying point, but getting them to actually give their payment info is, and Shopify is king in that department. They also have top tier customer service, which I think is critical. You can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Kevin. That's all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash Kevin to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Kevin.
you're moving forward. You're not moving on. You're carrying it with you. Okay. okay. Moving on, it might mean I'm forgetting it. You know, yeah. I'm moving on is I'm forgetting it. It's in the past. Just, just go, you know, just forget about it. If that happens naturally, cool. But like when it's someone or something that really matters or really sticks to your soul in some way, I mean, even when, even when in forgiveness, when that, that load is lightened, it's not necessarily that we're going to keep making the same choices, mistakes, or even having the same feelings about a certain situation or a certain, a certain person. It just means you can still move on with your life while honoring the fact that you have this thing on your back. Hmm. And it's not like it's going to go away because it's not attached. Like it's now, it's not like attached and then detached. It's like this was part of your experience in life. So I think he talked about that too. Like it's not moving on. It's this idea of moving forward means I'm not, this happened to me. It's going to be here. I'm not going to forget it. I mean, in fact, I don't want to forget it. Can, can I ask you something there, Richie? I'm, I'm stuck, not stuck on, but that not moving, not just moving on, like getting past, get over it. It's impossible, which I, I think he says, and you're saying too, and you're saying, yeah, I don't move, don't move on, but I can move, I can move forward with that thing on your back. That's not a positive image. And my uh, pondering that I'll throw at you is because I think we also would say, oh, let that thing make you stronger. And I think if that thing's on my back, I may not be stronger. I may be walking a little slower and a little more labored, but I am wiser for it. I can help. Yeah in different ways. What do you think about that? As opposed to just the, okay, you take that thing and you let it make you stronger. Kind of the, not to pick on him, kind of like the David Goggins thing. I'm going to take that well, thing and just let it be fuel. And really, I think it, it's, it's humble power. You know, okay. you talk to anybody okay. that's sober, they don't want to forget. They want to remember not to go in that room. They want to remember not to pick up the bottle. Okay. They want to remember not to try and find God in a bottle. They want to remember that because the moment they do, it's over and it could be really bad, right? Like that's real. So, but, but a lot of the times the, the trauma we're feeling, there's different kinds. There's a kind where it was a choice by us and we made a mistake and it was really bad or not, whatever, however, you know, you define it. And there's the kind where someone else did something to you and you were totally powerless. And yes, you are a victim, but you're not going to be victimized. So to me, the humble power, or rather the moving forward, because moving on, it's not like, I mean, you're born. You don't move on from being born. You just grow. You could say moving on is, is death. But if you believe in an afterlife, you're not moving on. You're moving forward, right? Like whatever, whatever. So, so conceptually we can imagine these things but let me try and make it more real now he didn't say this i don't think but 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 he was saying it the idea is who am i going to be in the future because of this thing that just happened now hmm. he said it several times he wasn't going to be the guy with a dead son that was his main focus of the whole thing. I wasn't going to be that guy. Mm -hmm. And even though he didn't know what to do 
or how to do it necessarily in the moment, right? It was many pivots as life happened. And, you know, his daughter goes to school and people are saying things and she, she decides who she's going to become and how they're going to deal with it. And they have all these, that's life. But there's, there's a couple different kinds of people. There's the person that says, I'm going to go here. and There's only one way to get there. And that person is always disappointed. And there's the person that says, I'm going to get here. I'm not sure exactly how this can happen. I'm going to make many different choices along the way that are the best choices, not in the moment, but the best choices that will get me there. And also in the moment, it's called alignment, right? Even though it's not in a line, airplanes don't go in a line. They're in alignment. Okay. 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 So when you say, let me just kind of even dissect, I'm not a brain surgeon like he is, but what he said, like he went through and you could pull exactly what he said. So I'm generalizing here, but he said, I'm not going to be the guy who has a dead son. Then he also said, yeah, I'm this brain surgeon person. I see this happen all the time. I have this message. I can, I can do 300 something surgeries, you know, in a, a month or a year or whatever, 10,000 over time. But on your podcast, I could possibly reach hundreds of thousands or millions of people with this message. Yeah. That was because he decided he was going to take the lessons he learned from grieving and overcoming trauma. Overcoming is probably the wrong word, but he, he decided that he was going to take that message and become that guy. He yeah. said that he found purpose in teaching other people how to get through it. And as I say, it's a tunnel, not a cave. So anyone, if they experienced something that's really hard, something that's not going to go away, something that's life altering, something that's going to make it so you've now become, have been forced to become a different person. Your spouse is forced, is forced to become a different person. Your kids are forced to become a different person because of the, it changes your brain, the way you think, the way you see the world, all those kinds of things. When you decide who you want to become in the future and you say, I don't want to be that sad person that's drinking all day long, then you're not going to start drinking every night. And it's not willpower. It's a change of environment. Yeah. So that's the idea. <laughs> you, know? you can't say that without making a call out to uh, our mutual friend, Ben Hardy. Um, and his book, Willpower Doesn't Work. Um, right. So powerful that you change yep. your environment so you don't have to rely on your finite willpower. Um, I was just with Ben a couple days ago in New York where we our families were hanging out over there. And uh, we talk every week. And his idea of willpower doesn't work was uh, revolutionary. Mm -hmm. And actually a lot of people who are – who are afflicted with addiction were really drawn to that because hmm. there's no amount of willpower that could help them, even yeah. though some people won't believe that. But hey, if you don't go into that environment and that thing's not here and you're decidedly not only becoming someone different, but you're also putting in forcing functions that allow you to thrive. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, if there's chocolate in my house, I'm going to eat it, man. <laughs> yeah, so you know it, it, it seems bad to compare chocolate to the, the tragedies of death but yes. at the end of the day if we were to go full circle and kind of wrap up this part of the conversation at the end of the day if we were to say to someone 
you went through something and yes, take 100% responsibility for the rest of your life. Not of the thing that happened necessarily, but of the rest of your life. Take one. It's painful. It's punishing. It's a terrible thing to say, but what's the alternative? Yeah. Richie, man, I do want to ask you about your experience, you know, with any trauma, with your, with the loss of your son, with the loss, you know, of other things, but just that issue, I'm, I'm intrigued by it of our desire to reconcile it. I mean, we see movies about this, you know, where I've just, I've got to know there's some trauma, you know, a loss, whatever. I've got to know, I've got to know, or I've got to take revenge or I've got to get justice or I've got to whatever. And it's not going to change what happened. Whatever that thing is, whatever that disappointment, that pain, that trauma, that loss, it's not going to change that. It's just going to change how we think about it. And yet we see that somebody who is going to commit themselves as unto death if they have to, to get, to resolve it in their mind, to reconcile it. And if you want to take it to your son, you could, because I'm sure you had to look at that and go at some point, you know, God, why? Why? Oh, yeah. Oh, it would have yeah. been great to get a tablet that came down and said, well, Richie, we Here's did need another happen. angel up in heaven. <laughs> right. And there he you go. <laughs> and you go, oh, well, great. Thanks. Or, or you don't. And you go, well, that sucks. Either way, yeah. you got some kind of reconciliation. Yeah. No, that's a, that's a great question. And it's, I guess the answer would have to be multifaceted because it depends sure. on where you're coming from. So, for example, if you're coming at it from a spiritual point or from a, a, a godly perspective, then when we're trying to reconcile something, we tend to say to ourselves, why? Right. Why? And then, and then why, why me? And then we try to find purpose in it and we try to find meaning in it. And you, and then you have, then you have to, you have to kind of go through the idea. Well, is, does that mean that our heavenly parents are terrible people who do terrible things to, 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 to good people. And then that's a whole other conversation, <laughs> you know, and you go, well, this is crazy. This is crazy. You know, I remember after a string of tragedies, I remember asking, I was just walking on the beach near my house and I was like thinking, does God hate me? I thought that. And then I thought, I thought, these things didn't actually happen to me. They happened to my brother-in-law, to my son, to my wife, to my other son, to my to my foster kids. Like, it happened to them. <laughs> and then I also thought, I'm stringing these all together over years. They didn't happen like a domino effect. Right. And then I thought, this is right after my son got hit by a car, by the way, and he's in the hospital and I had just come home to grab something like this is, this is me going crazy. Right. Yeah. yeah. Just trying to think through it all because you can make all kinds of horrible decisions in the midst of, of chaos. Right. And, uh, I thought, you know what, this is my thought. Love God unconditionally. And I, I thought that because <clears throat> Every time you blame daddy in the sky, that means that regardless of your faith, if it's the universe or if it's just in like humanity, regardless of what it is, like every time you blame God and you lose your faith, that means your faith is based on sign seeking and has nothing to do with actual faith. Every time something bad happens, I hate God. God hates me. Are you kidding me? And so if I, if I told myself now, move it away from, from religion for a second or, or spiritual, I just think about it. Like as a person, the moment I said, I'm going to love God unconditionally, 
it gave me all the power back. Sure, in God's hands, and I'm going to deal with this. So all of a sudden, I was like, ah, okay, God doesn't hate me. I'm going to love no matter what, and I'm going to go to work and get the things done that have to get, get done. Because the, in my opinion, the greatest miracle of faith is having faith when there is no miracle. That's can, we take it, can we take it out of spirit, spiritual, like you said, and just if you don't have that, then to say, that, man, I'm just unlucky. I am just the unluckiest person ever. And to go forward with that as opposed to saying, no, I'm not. That was unfortunate. When someone tries to find or discover or happen upon or receive a revelation of, of meaning, this is whether you're like, whether you believe in, in, in something out of this world or not, you, you start making stuff up. <laughs> and if you're making stuff up anyways, you might as well simply assign meaning huh. instead of trying to find it. Huh. That's what Lee did. He didn't find meaning in teaching other people how to overcome or go through or sift through trauma. He assigned that meaning and purpose to the experience yeah. and then decided he would become that person. Okay. That's right. Powerful. That's powerful. <laughs> yeah. That's that, that line assigning meaning meaning instead of just trying to find it, like to go out there and find what are some meaning just to decide because generally we're not going to reconcile. I mean, go to, go to Lee's, his is the ultimate, uh, un, unreconcilable issue. His son's dead and he has no idea why the cops think mm, that he must have unreal. killed the other guy and killed himself Stupid. and there's no proof. They clean the site. It'll Disgusting. never be reconciled. Yeah. So he that, might as that, well. That part was that part was torture to me when he was saying that. Yeah. I was like, oh yeah. my gosh. Like so, let me let me bring it back to what you what you said yeah. though earlier. Because you said something really powerful, like this idea or feeling of reconciliation, which can show up as uh violence, or it can show up as deep, never-ending depression, or it could uh show up um as something positive, possibly, you know, if you de if you decide to do something with like that. But those are the things that drive countries that drive nations that drive people that drive tribes this is this is very human uh it's it's the reason we have what we have someone trying to reconcile fix something make it better or worse this is why we have prisons <laughs> and this is also why we have palaces it is the that is the reason reconciliation or one-upping or trying to make something whole that will never be whole so the innate seed or desire to bring things together to fairness is fair enough. But if you were to decide what, what are you going to do with your life now moving forward, you just have to ask, is it good or bad? Is it going to hurt others and hurt me? Or is it going to help others and help me? Because yes, of course, it feels really good to get back at that person. And is that the best thing for you to do long term? Probably it, not, <laughs> you know? Probably not. Well, and, and along with that, to, to what you just said, so again, to come back to your, you know, we're trying to find meaning. And I appreciate you saying we're trying to find this. That thing happened. Why? And we want purpose and meaning out of it. We want something. 
we're longing for something positive makes us feel better. We're generally not going to find it. And of course, as Lee said, you know, after 10 years or whatever, yeah, retrospect, he says it wouldn't have mattered anyways. Mitch is still gone um, regardless. Uh, But along with that, wouldn't we also say might as well assign some meaning? And again, regardless of the why, might as well find some redemption in it. And and I, I really care about that word redemption because I think, yes, you might as well find something out of it. You might as well get some strength, some wisdom, some insight out of it. But I think we also have that propensity and danger to take the redemption and justify it. And I don't think that's helpful. Yeah. And you could also redefine redemption. Is is redemption an eye for an eye or is redemption like making Good. the whole world see? Good. Hello, yeah. <laughs> you know, eye for eye. It's redemption. Thank you. That, that's what I was trying to say, and you said it in a better way. Balance. We want to balance it out. And what if you just can't? But you can get a benefit, or you can get a redemption. You can get some good out of it, but it doesn't have to balance it out. I think we try yeah, to. Is, pretend, is pretend the best is the best revenge to to really like destroy your your body and mind with chemicals. Or is the best redemption to really go and hurt other people who have hurt you? Or is the best revenge and redemption becoming a better person? Hmm. You know, <laughs> like, like what's better? The, the, the choice is obvious when you just redefine what it means to be redeemed and what it means to, uh, you know, have revenge. Because revenge can look good. We just use that's, it as a bad term. That's a relevant show title right there to some degree. <laughs> Seriously, is the best revenge not getting back, not an eye for an eye, but becoming better. Yeah, man. That's that's significant. Uh, that is that puts a different light on redemption. Again, I feel like kind of like with overcoming that we think we or overcoming means eradicating it. And I think it's impossible that redeeming doesn't mean we have to balance it out. Like you said, an eye for an eye, but we can yeah. become better to some degree. A- burdened, absolutely. Burdened absolutely. Yeah. With, is that fair? It's totally fair. And it's, we, we, we lie to ourselves so much in justification. Like, Let's let's make it let's make these like the stakes lower for a second. Like you go to an office environment and there's a lot of office politics and you're you're definitely victimized and vic a victim of things and you you don't know what's going around with this ladder thing around you, whatever. And then they'll say you're going to go in this position or you're gonna be fired or you're gonna do this because it's fair. I can't pay you this much, even though this person's getting paid more. Because it wouldn't be fair that you were here for less time than this person, even though you're a thousand times better and produce more for the company. They, people throw this this fairness around when reality fairness is generally a term they use to hide the fact that it's not fair at all. <sighs> They're just signaling. They're not actually doing it. And so when we go for revenge or redemption, a lot of times we're trying to make things fair when it's really just, it's a farce. It is, oh, so you hurt their family. So that's now fair. That's not fair. This is why we have wars that ask for millennia. <laughs> you know, like, come on. That's truth. Whether you, whether you believe in anything, that is fact. 
right? So you you fear is a good motivator, but then you have to des- decide without hurting others and without hurting myself, what's the best, like in real estate, what's the best use of this property? You have your own body. You have your own time. You have your own agency. If I'm going to spend it meddling in the darkness, it gets certain results. If I'm going to move my sights 10 times higher and and go from the darkness of the night to the brightness of the day, even though both exist and also exist simultaneously on the planet, you will live a better life, a life of not an eye for an eye, but a, a life of lightness. It, it reminds me of something he said. Maybe you'll remember it, Richie. It was something along the lines of, and I think he talked about it in regards to, you know, affecting yourself with chemicals. drinking too much or whatever, medicating. And I'm not going to do something, anything that he didn't use the word degrade. I can't, I can't remember what it was. I'm not going to do anything that hurts me, that degrades me, that, yeah. uh, that's what I hear you saying. You know, to look at it and, yeah. It, the thing is with conversations like this is everyone listening, they're going to, there's, there's, there's a few different camps and some of them are going to say that didn't happen to me. It's not relevant. And then there's those that say, Oh, it's not as bad for me. Or they're going to say, well, my story is way worse. You got to hear my story, but whatever, whatever. At some point, these kinds of conversations are so important because it's more just like a wake up call, a realization. Like if you never pinpointed the fact that doing something was harmful for you when you thought it was helpful, how are you going to fix that? Um, one thing like I, I've learned, like someone who, who has a problem with cocaine will go back to cocaine. Someone that copes with a can of Coca-Cola will go back to Coca-Cola. So we, we go back to what we've seen and what we've done. The challenge is how can I do something I haven't seen and haven't done by raising my sights higher? Well, can, we, can I stick right there? Do we go back to what we've seen and go back now and say, can we perceive of it differently? Can we, because of what you just said, I'm thinking that my, this type of a message and why I'm here having it is because it's important to me because it can help me make peace with the past. So it doesn't continue to handicap me going forward. And it can prepare me to make peace with what may come with what probably will come. And, And again, to be, you know, somewhat morbid, but I think realistic, I have nine children. And now four grandchildren and the chances of me experiencing Mm. a trauma there is higher than the norm. And I'm not being pessimistic, but I look at that and go, man, if it happens, is it going to ruin me? Is it going to ruin my marriage? Is it going to be the end of Kevin or not? Mm. And now's the time that I am preparing for that (laughs) chance. That's that's your next podcast show, the the end of Kevin. <laughs> is it, will it be the end? <laughs> I feel like this show is the hope for Kevin. Uh, there you go. We don't come to the end of Kevin. Yeah, I I believe every day uh, could be my last, and I fully expect tragedies to happen. I never wanted to to believe that, and I never like hope to be that kind of person. 
but ironically, it's helpful because when things happen as they have, and you know, I think I mentioned one time to you when I was right there, when I was, when we first met, when I was in Nashville years ago, that was the time when in Hawaii, there was this alert on our texts yeah. that North Korea was sending a ballistic missile to Hawaii and my whole family was going to be blown up. And, and I you couldn't could get a hold of them. More help, you couldn't have been more helpless at that moment. There's nothing I could do. You know, my, I'm thousands of miles away. No one's answering. My son gets on the phone finally and says his goodbyes. Everyone's crying. People are jumping in manholes. Like that was that half hour or whatever it was was a real thing. But it wasn't. You know. So a lot of times we're making things up, right? But but what I learned that moment was, as I thought, at least we lived without regret. Yeah. And the reason we live without regret is because when my wife's brother passed away at 21 in his sleep out of nowhere unexpectedly, when my son uh, passed away uh, from a disease, I realized that I would have to become a person that said, I'm not going to let this, my wife and I decided, we're not going to let this destroy our marriage because we know it could and we're going to live better because of it. And I had to be a person that's going to say, I'm going to, you know, whatever. And because we decided that we stopped waiting to do these things we wanted to do and started figuring out how to do them now. Now we started having peak experiences. So every time something terrible happens, we go on these big, long road trips. We go do really things that bring us together. These peak positive experiences bring us together. They also allow people to vent in the car or on the travel, which is horrible, but it happens. Like you don't, you can't escape it. It just comes out wherever you are. So the peaks and valleys in life are real. But the, the, the important part, I think maybe that I'm trying to say in deciding who you want to become and moving forward really is in you deciding to intentionally create peak experiences for you and other people around you that had the trauma. I, I want to pull something out there, Richie, just with you, because as you deftly said a moment ago, people are going to hear this in a few different categories and, and kind of went through that, how we discount messages that this one here, that you are now, if anybody follows you on social media, they're going to see that, yeah, you're in you know Japan and Argentina and Mexico and, and doing all this stuff. Like, oh, well, that's great, man. You can go make those memories because you can afford to. Knowing your story, I experienced that you can afford to because you decided that you were going to have those peak experiences and you thus made decisions and set your rudder as to your story before towards those. And now you have gotten to a place where you can afford them, though you figured out ways to do them even when you couldn't to a degree. Now you can more so, but they're a causation, not a result of, you know, because you can now afford it. It's it's absolutely true for for me and everyone's situation is different. But yeah. when you th- really think about it, like you live where you live because you just, not you, but the collective us, we live where we live because we chose a job there. We do the things we do because we have time off during Christmas. That is our life. Or you can say, hey, I can work online. I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to get a job that let me, lets me, this is today. Like this, is, this didn't exist even 10 years ago. You know what I mean? Like, so, so at some point you have to decide if it's a choice or not. But I'll, I'll tell you this, in the early days, my wife and I were, traveling while <laughs> collecting cans to recycle, to put gas in our car. Yeah. We would be renting somewhere 
and not have a couch because we couldn't explain how to spend that much money on a couch when that could could buy two plane tickets somewhere when our you know our, our we had terrible things happen and we huddled our kids up we figured out how are we going to make money while we're on the road because we didn't have money or credit to pay for it yeah so if someone decides there, it doesn't have to be some giant thing. It could be a staycation. It could be whatever your peak experience you want, but the mentality of I'm going to not balance, but asymmetrically live my life because an asymmetrical event just destroyed everything. Yeah. You need something not just to balance it out, but to change the whole concept of the way you experience life with a peak experience. You, you just explained Lee's statement of trauma doesn't define us. Mm. Our choices do. And when I first read that, I didn't quite resonate with it because I tend to think our beliefs do. And I think they're both correct, but they're different because what you said, the trauma doesn't define us. You experienced trauma. And as you just said, we as a family made some choices. We're not going to wait. We are going to experience the fullness of life now. And if we have to sell cans, we're going to do it. And you made choices that defined you. That's, yeah. that's the exemplification of what he said that I didn't totally get at first. That's beautiful. I love, I love that. And it's so true. We, we always... We tend to we tend to think that our methods and our means are the meanings and the ends of what we're trying to do. But becoming something and the doing of something and the achieving of a dream can can look like doing lots of different things all the time. The means and the methods can change all the time. Stephen Covey would say, mentor of mine. Mm -hmm. leadership is a choice not a position that was the idea of the eighth habit that was the idea of finding your voice and if you were to apply not just leadership because you go oh leadership's a role and a title well there's some really bad ceo leaders i'll tell you that right now <laughs> not a title no doubt. You, know? Yeah. you know so so if if leadership is a choice and not a position then that would mean your trauma, the position that you're in, which wasn't your choice. That's a that's a that's something that happened to you. It, may, it could be a role. It could have been assigned to you. You know, whatever whatever the thing is um, that happened. That's not the part we're focusing on. We're talking about the choices you're making after the bad thing that happened. That's what we're talking about. That. And that gets to the root of what we're looking at here and back to where we started that we are. And again, it's so, um, it's so uh, not even, it's way more than counterintuitive. I, I, I keep wanting to use the word offensive, but that's not it. But to say we are making it up. We we're are making, making it all up, man. <laughs> I, I, know, I, I know we're making it all up and it's all a mind game. Yeah. I feel like that's the simple, the simple thing. It's like Tolstoy saying, Hey, you want to be happy? Well, just be. 
Just yeah. be happy. Well, screw you, man. That's <laughs> Shut too, up. That's too, <laughs> yeah. And to take yeah. this and go, we're making it up, but then we are, and we see it happen time and time again. And we see the same thing happen to, to two people and one goes one way and one goes the other based on a made up perception, an exposure, an influence that they didn't probably even choose, or they, maybe they did choose, but either way, and they go different way and have different uh, outcomes and that we are making it up. It's so empowering and yet so demoralizing in the same way. It can be fair. It's very fair. I was just thinking, you know, that, that example with my son and his, his boat losing the rudder, using his leg to try and, and get home. I'm also, I was just, I was just in Mexico with my son on a surf trip and the waves are pretty heavy. It was, it was a whole thing of a new environment for us. It was, it was an amazing experience. Um, but I'm also thinking like when you're in the ocean and waves are breaking and you're in unfamiliar uh, territory, there's not that much you can do. You either have experience to try and work your way out. Like I, I honestly, I wonder if I'm getting better at trauma because I've had so much. Yeah. But the, the opposite of that is it also stacks. So every time one thing happens, it's worse. So in some ways it's worse. So it just depends. But I'll tell you this, when you're in the middle of the ocean, you're trying to figure it out and you feel desperate, you can't have these higher level thoughts that we're having. You can't have them. You're in survival mode and that's okay. Do what you got to do to survive. If you get to the beach, then, you know, fortunately, that then you decide, am I going to go back out? Am I going to be smarter about it? And also when, now or later, am I going to learn? Am I not? And you decide. That's what we're talking about. Like people listen, I can't do this. Someone who says they can't do it is usually because they're in the middle of it. Yeah. So a conversation like this helps them set their sights higher. Someone who's been away from it for a while, they have the opportunity to reflect mm -hmm. and rebound and, you know, figure it out and get medicine if they have to. Like they, they get that opportunity. So we're all different places. But the fact that someone can now take what we're saying, the principles of them and apply it to their personal life and become a little bit better than they were after they listen to Lee and listen to our conversation and read his books and do all these kind of things. Right now, that's the best we can do. And it's a lot. It's a lot. It's actually a lot more than you realize. These little hinges on the door open open this 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 opportunity wide. To I, I totally agree. It's pr perspective is everything. And on that note of a, another a hinge, I got one more at least. I got one more before we. Okay. All right. And it's, and it's on you talking, talking about, you said it stacks. Yes. You've had a lot it stacks you may have more you just experienced a little one yeah uh, or not not little a decent one with with your wife again um back to that aspect of you are carrying more i would say when it comes to trauma richie is carrying more than i am just I, I think it's just it's just truth for whatever reason you're carrying more now two perspectives and i'm going to get spiritual or biblical at least if we go to the bible that it's a burden you're carrying or you can carry, I'm sorry. It's a, it's, it's something you can carry as a burden or as a light. In essence, we, we know that, you know, we talk about that with religion. Some people carry it like a burden. Some people carry it like a light, but I, I want to also pair that with the scripture. I don't remember where it is uh, in the Bible where uh, Jesus says, take on my yoke, take on my yoke, which is like a, think about it like a, a, 
a cow pulling a plow and he's got a yoke around him, yeah. uh, that whatever that thing is, that, that yeah. band around and, and, and Jesus saying, your, your yoke is heavy. Take mine on it's light. Yeah. What got me with that Richie years ago when it hit me dealing with something is that it's still a yoke. Yeah. You still care. He didn't say, take it off, man. You're totally free, man. Go nuts. Just levitate. No, you yeah. still got a yoke on there, man. So that you've got these things. They're on your back, let's say, to go back to your earlier analogy. They're there. They're, you're, they're carrying them. Have they made you stronger? Maybe so. Your legs have to be to carry those, but it doesn't, make, it doesn't mean you're going faster. You may be going slower, um, but do you gain other things? Obviously, you do. You're on this show right here talking to tens of thousands of people because of what you have gained. Can I say that? Yeah. That somebody else hasn't. I... I uh everything you're saying is, is totally true and spot on by, but for some odd reason, I don't, I don't, I don't feel that way. I don't feel like I have a more burdens than you. I don't feel okay. like I have more burdens than anyone else. I don't feel like I have a badge of honor because terrible things happen, but I'll, 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 I'll tell you what I, what I, what I do feel. And I, I think it's the same thing that Lee experienced is what has gotten me through it, through the tunnel, so to speak even though the tunnel's long, you know, and I'm in many ways, it comes in waves, ups and downs unexpectedly on birthdays, you know, like on, on certain dates, like it comes in waves. And also my wife experiences it differently than I do. So we're all individuals here, but I'll tell you this, what has got me through it was always the thought, even from the beginning, how can I use my experience to teach other people how to overcome their own experiences? Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that that wasn't something that maybe maybe my parents taught that to me somehow maybe it's innate somehow i don't know where that came from but that's what he said that's what i experienced and i know other people's other people in like the thought leadership space when they write books that's what they're thinking and i would i would guess most people who are having a quote unquote terribly positive experience with their terrible tragedies and trauma are thinking about how they're going to teach others to overcome it even when we haven't overcome it ourselves, that's what drives us because that's our purpose. And you work from purpose, not towards it. Thank you. Richard, that's, <laughs> hey, yeah. seriously, man, that's, that's why you're here. It's why I brought you on again. Um, I think this is, you know, we've had, I've had you on the show twice for, you, you know, your books, your topics. This is the second time I've had you come on for uh, something that I feel you can relate to and provide insight to insight to better than most because of what you have gone through. And I am grateful for the choices that you've made. I'm grateful for the heart um, that you have and grateful that you're willing to come here and benefit and bless me and everyone else listening. Um, thank you, brother. I'm, uh, thank that's you. A beautiful, a beautiful redemption. I am a, mm. a gracious, a grateful recipient of, Thank you. Oh, I love you so much. That was a great conversation. And uh, gosh, I just learned so much from you. So, so thank you for having me on. It means the world. That's part three on Dr. Lee Warren and the topic of his book, which is again called Hope is the First Dose. In the next and last segment on Lee, I'll compile the highlights I'm con contemplating and grappling with. I do want to thank Richie Norton for making this episode so Rich. I highly encourage you to connect with him at Richie, R-I-C-H-I-E, Norton. 
Com, or find him on Instagram where he gives frequent inspiration that will just lift your spirits at again, Richie Norton. Friends, thank you for tuning into Self Helpful, where I curate the sea of new personal development materials and help you integrate wisdom into your life because we all want to elevate our own experience and improve the way we show up for others. 